Anybody need a handout for the sermon tonight? If you need a handout for tonight, if you'd raise your hand up, Alfredo will take care of that. And good job, Alfredo. Ushering, thank you for that. Romans chapter 8. I've told you over the past couple weeks, this passage, Romans 8, has got to be one of the best chapters of the entire book of Romans. It's one of the best chapters in the entire Bible. And there are a lot of great ones. They're all good. There's not one bad one. You can't find a bad one. Now, we might see some bad things that people do, but that doesn't make the Scripture bad. That's just people doing bad things. But we look at Romans 8, these verses tonight. Let them be a blessing to your heart. Let them encourage you. Let them help us tonight. Romans 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We look at this passage of Scripture, and there are some blessed things tonight to look at. Church, don't ever lose sight of what God has done in your life and what he's doing. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that the Spirit of God, you think about this, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three are God, co-equal, and yet distinctly separate as well. That's what, because we can look around and there is nothing, anything we have, we, you know, we look around, we talk about an egg and all of that. There are three parts to an egg, three parts to an apple, three parts to water, all those different things. None of them still quite explain the Trinity to us because God is one God. He's one God. But there's three parts all in one. But three distinct differences, but all one. And it's just crazy when you take your mind and try and comprehend it. And sometimes I think we try to comprehend too much, and that's what you've got to realize. You're never going to comprehend God. It's never going to happen. Because he is so much better than anything you can even comprehend. Yesterday at the men's conference that we had, I took some verses out of um, Isaiah chapter 40, and we sing that song, Behold Our God. It comes from Isaiah chapter number 40. And why, why, does, why is God against making graven images to him? Because there's nothing we can make or do that can contain God. That's why to think that God would come and dwell in the temple, that was, wow, that's an amazing thing. But the temple couldn't contain him. Nothing can contain him. That's why don't make a graven image because it can't even compare. And why, why waste the time and doesn't even compare to who he is? So the fact, and so you're never going to understand everything about him. But there are things I don't understand why he loves me so much. I don't understand, man. We looked at this morning how wicked we truly are. And to think that God would bring life to something so wicked. And in bringing life, he would take the spirit of God and place him inside of us. 
you are the temple of the Holy Ghost today. That's why that's sometimes we look and I hear people and it's totally a sidestep. We're in the message. We'll be there in a second. We're doing on time. We'll be all right. But man, I hear people, hey, be careful when you're in, in church, in the church house. Don't spill things. Don't do this or that. Be careful of certain things. And I'm for a lot of those things. But do you realize the, the temple that the Holy Ghost lives in today is not the, this, this building is not the end all. Do you know what this building is here for? To help the people meet. That's all it's here for. Bible days, they didn't even have chairs. They sat out on the grass or dirt. This building is here to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's what it's here for. But you think about this. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of us. And that's why this morning we look at that message and we think about what are, what are we, and we, we look at that and sometimes we get the idea, well, everything, it's all, it all comes from the inside, so it doesn't matter what I put in. This is what happens. Everything that you put in comes from the appetites that are within. So this is what happens. When you get saved, you have the Spirit of God, and you have your old spirit there. You have the new heart and the old heart. The old heart wants wickedness. The old heart wants to do things that feel good to the flesh. The new heart doesn't want to do the things of the flesh. So this is what happens. What you are putting in is a direct reflection of if are you sowing to the flesh? Because you sow that flesh, it's going to reap corruption in you. Or are you sowing to the spirit and letting that flow out? That's why it's so important. And there's so much more I could have said this morning. And I went too long this morning as it was. But man, you just... The longer I preach, the longer I study God's word, the more I just, oh, the, so this world needs it. They are missing out. Those that don't have the spirit of God living inside of them tonight are missing out. To be a part of God's family, there is nothing like it. It is an honor, a privilege that we don't deserve. It's not a right no, Jesus died so you could be a part of his family. Imagine tonight with me being born into a family with deep poverty. A family that was very dysfunctional and doomed. A family with no hope or prospects for the future. A family that was dying and didn't even care about you at all. And you're thinking... Hey, are you talking about my family? No, I'm not talking about your family tonight. We're imagining this right now, okay? Now imagine that along comes a kind, gentle, wealthy man. And this man that you've never met before tells you, I love you. And I know the family that you're in. I can see what you're in. And I want you to come be part of my family. This man offers you everything that he can. He offers you more than your natural family could give you. And all of these things. And he says, I'll give it to you all free of charge. Just come be my kid. 
say, that sounds pretty far-fetched. That's what the Lord did for us. The devil's family is very dysfunctional. And before salvation, we were not children of God like this world likes to say everyone's a child of God. That's not Bible. You're either a child of the devil or you're a child of God. And you must be born again to be a child of God. That's how it works. He wants everyone to be his child. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And as we look at this tonight, and as Paul moves deeper into chapter number 8 here, he's continuing to illustrate for us how superior the spirit life is to the flesh life. The flesh life has nothing to offer you tonight except death, bondage, and suffering. That's what the flesh has to offer us. But the spirit life has came to set us free, to make us part of God's family. The spirit life is what we want to be a part of. Last week we looked at the difference of the spirit life compared to the flesh life. Tonight we look at the delights of the spirit life. And as we look at this tonight and as we dive deeper into it, Paul tells us through inspiration that every saved person has been brought into God's family. And when you become part of God's family, you have all the rights and privileges as a son of the king of kings. You have the rights and privileges that Jesus has. Think about that one. That's that's pretty crazy. Those are the things I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. Tonight I want to look at and talk about the delights of the spirit life. Father, I need your help with this tonight. Because I cannot in my own power or on my own even begin to illustrate how awesome this passage is. We need your power. We need your Holy Spirit tonight to help guide us. Help us as we look at this passage. Help believers tonight to be encouraged by what we have received in you. I also pray tonight if there's someone here that does not know Christ as their Savior. They cannot experience the spirit life without being born again. I pray that tonight might be the night that they come to you for salvation. Bless the message. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, we see the delight of our adoption. The delight of our adoption. We're talking about the delights of the spirit life. Number one, we see the delight of our adoption. Verse 14 and 15, it tells us here, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I just want you to look at that one little phrase there. You haven't been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. We have so many Christians today living in fear. Do you know what takes care of fear tonight? Bible makes it very clear. First John chapter number 4. And I know we got chapter 3 in a minute, but we don't have this verse. It's just, it's just something. Sometimes I feel like the Lord gives me things as we go through, and then i got to talk about those things as well. What casts out fear? Perfect love. Isn't that what 1 John chapter 4 talks about? 
perfect love casteth out fear. Say, which verse is it? 1 John chapter 4, somewhere in there. You can find it and look at it. Perfect love. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ tonight, no Christian should live a life of fear because of the love that God has for you. That's why the Bible also tells us, and this is in Timothy, I know that, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, sound mind. And so as we look here tonight, we see the delights of our adoption. We see letter A, we have a new family. Verse 14, as we look here, and according to Paul, it says here, when we believe and when we come to Jesus Christ, it says they are the sons of God. And ladies, you become the daughters of God too. That fits for all right there. It works for all of us, and praise God for that. That when we get saved, when, what happens is we start out in life, we're a part of Adam's family. And it's as, almost as dysfunctional as the Adam's family. You know, that doesn't, you know, that does, that's kind of a good illustration right there. That's where we all begin. But when Jesus saves us, he takes us out of Adam's family and places us in his family. And praise God for that tonight. We literally become God's children. 1 John 3, verse 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And as we look here, we are the children of God. Think about that tonight. If you, are a, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're born again, you have a new family. You're a part of the most wonderful family in the entire world, God's family. He is the best father. He's the best provider. He provides the most security. He is everything. And we got an awesome big brother to look after us as well. What a family to be a part of. And as we look here, the delights of our adoption, we see we have a new family. Thank God for that tonight. And we see the Bible says here that when he appears, we'll be like him. How, what a blessing that is. As we look at these verses, and as we dive deeper in them tonight, it's such a blessing to know the delights of our adoption is the fact we have a new family. When I say, Pastor, my earthly family is dysfunctional. Aren't we all dysfunctional at times? Oh, but when you get saved and come to Christ, you have a new family. And let's make sure we understand, none of us are perfect in this room. Your new family members, will, you are going to struggle with some of your new family members. But man, we have the most awesome God and Father in the world. We see the delights of our adoptions, the fact that letter A, we have a new family, but letter B, we have a new father. Just think about that one for a little bit tonight. We have a new father. Before salvation, we're the children of wrath, even as others. Jesus said to the, he said, year of your father, the devil. Before salvation, 
That's your father, the devil. Say, why? We're born in sin. And our father, before the Lord, would be Satan. That's Bible. People don't like that. But just because people don't like things doesn't mean it's not what the Bible says. And we got to make sure of something. The more our world goes the way that it's going, and as we get closer to the end times, people don't like the truth. But the truth is what they need. They didn't like it in Jesus' day. They aren't going to like it today either. But the truth is that's where it all comes down to. But as a child of God, he becomes our father. We have a new father. We've been delivered from the bondage of fear. And we've been adopted into God's family. In our society today, adoption and adopting children, often, often those children don't, they kind of feel like second class family members in some families. I don't think that's right. should never be that way. And I think, I think, and let me just give you a personal opinion right here. I think there are a lot of Christians out there that are against abortion. I am. I think that that's murder. God is the author of life. Not you and me. Say, well, it's my body, my choice. It's not that way for vaccines. Now, it's only my body, my choice on convenient things for this world. Right? Yeah, that's how this world works. But what do you expect from this world? They don't get it. They're not going to get it. But something that a lot more Christians should really think on, and I'm just going to throw it out, we want less abortion to take place. I think more people need to learn to adopt children too. I think that that should happen more than what it does. That's helping with some of the solutions. I think that there are a lot of lives that could be saved if there are people who were there to help take care of those children. It's a thought there. And it really is what the Lord has done. He's adopted us, right? And what better way to show God's love to someone than to offer those same things? Just a thought right there. I also think that we look at our politicians and things. I told you, we could solve all the world's problems. One of the things I would do, adoption is so expensive today. If these politicians who say they're pro-life and want to help get rid of a abortion they need to get rid of all the fees for adoption and make it cheaper and easier to do now they need to look very careful at the people who get the children that needs to be high level but paying thousands of dollars we want to help this there's a great thought right there because i told you we could solve all the world's problems get them jesus fix some things we could do we could do some good things we're going to be like the president be on vacation as Afghanistan's being taken over again. But you could do that too. We have a new father. We look and we think about adoption today. Adoption in Bible days is so different than our adoption today. In the Roman society, in this book of Romans, right? So let's talk about Roman society for a minute adoption and when we think about this it was vastly different and to be adopted was considered a great privilege in rome 
Adoption, the word adoption means to place as a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. In the ancient world, the family was based on a Roman law called the Petra Potestas, the father's power. That's what it was called. The law gave the father absolute authority over his children so long as the father lived. He could work them. He could enslave his children. He could sell them if he wished. He could pronounce the death penalty on his own children. Regardless of the child's adult age, the father held all power over his children. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's Rome, that's, Rome had some crazy things that they would do. Therefore, if the father had that much power, adoption was a serious matter. And yet it was common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct by having no male children. And when a child was adopted, there were three legal steps that would be taken for that child. The first one is this. The adoption, the, or the adopted child was adopted permanently. You could, he could not be adopted today and return tomorrow. Couldn't be, oh, we brought the kid home and we didn't know what we were taking home. We changed our minds. No, in Rome, you adopted this child. That child was permanently your child. He became a son of a father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. The second thing was the adopted son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son in the new family. He was not a second-rate citizen. He got all the rights and privileges the other sons had as an adopted son. And then the third thing, and the third legal step that was taken was the adopted son completely lost all rights in his old family. The adopted son was looked upon as a new person. So you get this. So old debts, obligations connected to his former family were canceled and as if they never existed. Think about that. Because that's what we've got in Jesus. When we get adopted by God, you're in his family forever. You can never go out. You are sealed forever. He knows every think about think about this one. Before he ever adopted you and wanted you and chose you before the foundation of the world. He knew every bad thing about you. He knew every bad thought you would ever have. He knew every evil deed you would ever commit. He knew every awful thing about us. And yet, I want, I want you in my family. It's forever. Not only is it forever, but we become joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with the Lord, the Bible says. Wow. And, and think about that last one. You didn't have to pay back the old debts from the old family. You were no longer a part of that family. You were a new person. You're a new creature in Christ.
powerful when we look at it. When we came to Jesus, we were taken out of Adam and adopted into Jesus. And we have a new father. The delights of the spirit. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to have a new family? I think it's wonderful. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Pastor, I don't see what you're so excited about. Some of you, you can get excited about a pigskin being thrown around a field. And I get excited about that too. Joe, you're not going to get excited all this year with those jets, but we'll leave that out of the sermon tonight. I get excited about the things of God. I think it's a good thing to get excited about the things of God. Because in the spirit, the delights of the spirit, we have a new family. We have a new father and letter C. And I'm running out of time already. We have a new freedom. This verse, these verses tell us, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And these verses tell us that as children of God, we've been delivered from the power and the influences of the flesh. We're no longer led about by Satan. We're no longer fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind. No, we are led by someone new. He's called the Spirit of God, and he's there to lead us and to guide us in our lives. We have freedom. Man, this world doesn't see This world is in bondage to wickedness tonight. That's why the news is full of wickedness every night. That's why the imaginations and the things that people do is getting worse and worse and worse because they're in bondage tonight. But as a believer tonight and being and having the Spirit of God, I'm not led by Satan anymore. I'm not led by his devices anymore. Hey, I have some freedom. I am out of that bondage tonight. Praise God for that. We're no longer led by Satan, and you don't have to be led by your flesh. Too many Christians give in to the flesh and let the flesh lead them around. This world doesn't have a choice. The flesh is going to lead everything they do. But you're not of the flesh anymore. You're of the Spirit, and the Spirit will guide you into all truth and help you in your life if you let Him. We have that freedom tonight. Thank God for that. You think about it. We've been delivered from the old leadership of our life. We've been delivered from a life of fear that we used to live in with that old family. And now in Jesus Christ, because of what he did, and because we've been brought into the family, we can look to our Heavenly Father and say, Hey, Dad! I need some help. Man, Satan and his crowd and abuse you and throw you to the side and Satan doesn't care about you. He doesn't care anything about you. But as a believer, you've got that new freedom. And you can, hey dad, I just need some help. It's one that the Lord's blessed me with a great dad. I feel bad for some of you in life that didn't get to have as good of a dad, earthly dad, as I've got. And I'm thankful. And I talk to him often. He's almost 80. And you see, it's, it's, it, it's hard when you start growing older. And that man that you looked at that you thought would never break down, you thought he was Superman. He was always going to be your Superman. And then he has a hard time picking up a five-pound bag of sugar sometimes. And you look and you're like, ugh. But that's life. That's how life goes. 
And at some point, I won't be able to pick up the phone anymore. But I've got the best Heavenly Father. And He takes care of all those things. And you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in bondage tonight to the flesh. You have a great dad that loves you, that is there. And he's not someone that's just afar off and keeps a little eye on you. No, you have his full attention. And you can come into the grand throne room of heaven, and you have the rights and privileges to be there to talk to your dad. That's what the spirit life's all about. The delights of the spirit life, we see the delight of our adoption, number two, tonight. We see the delight of our assurance. Satan wants nothing more than for you to doubt your salvation. He wants you to doubt that you're saved. Verse 16, let's look, read it and see what it says, and we're going to be tying all these things together. Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. As we think about the delight of our assurance, not only have we been adopted into God's family, but we've been given the priceless assurance. It's what Fanny Crosby was writing about, blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Satan wants you to doubt. But these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life. Jesus, God doesn't want you to doubt. And that's he gave you the Spirit to remove those doubts. When we talk about the delight of our assurance, letter A, we think about our, commun our communion with the Spirit. The child of God has a blessed communion with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus talked about the relationship between the believer and the Spirit before he died on the cross. The Bible tells us John 14, verse 16 through 18, And I pray the Father that he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15. I don't think we have those verses because it's a lot of them, but it's there in your notes. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. Hey, it's necessary. It's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away... The Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and he see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot hear them. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Let me help you out there real quick. This is a little side note. I know I don't need any more side notes. I'm running out of time. But a little side note. There's a lot of people in this world 
day that claim that they have the Spirit of God and they manifest the Spirit of God, it, the Spirit of God does not promote himself. And when you have these religions and these people saying, do you have the gift of the Spirit? Where's your gifts at? Do you speak in tongues? Do you do this? Do you do that? The Spirit does not boast of itself. The Spirit boasts of Jesus Christ. Don't forget that tonight. Say, well, so those, what, if, what spirit are they? I don't know what spirit they're talking about. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't boast about himself. The Holy Spirit lifts up and magnifies Jesus Christ. That's what he does. He guides you into all truth. Just a little another thought there for you. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is coming, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore I say that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. The Spirit of God spends time with the redeemed, and this is a truth that the saint of God takes for granted every single day. The Spirit of God is there to lead us. He's there to teach us. He's there to guide us. He's to he's, he knows, think about this. The Spirit of God knows everything we need to do to glorify God with our lives. We just need to listen and let him do his work in our, in our lives. I've really been thinking about it, and I've been praying on it, and I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost positive we're going to take the fall, and we're going to take Wednesday night's Bible study, and we're just going to talk about the Holy Spirit for several months. We're just going to talk on Him, and we're going to preach on Him and the importance of the Spirit in our lives, and I believe that's where we're going to go. That could change, but that's where I think we're headed, because we don't have enough talk about the Spirit of God today. And you, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. You don't even realize who's inside of you today. We see our communion with the Spirit. You're like, Pastor, you're really going with it tonight. I'm tired. It's been a long week, but you just talk about the Spirit of God and being adopted into God's family, and I just get all excited. You know, the other, the other night at our men's thing, one of the pastors there, he's like the Energizer Bunny. I don't ever call myself the Energizer Bunny, but I almost feel like the Energizer Bunny right now because of this passage of Scripture. But we see, letter B, not only do we see our communion with the Spirit, but we see our confidence in the Spirit. In verse 16, the Spirit of God has fellowship with those who are saved by grace. And that's one of the surest ways to know that you've been born again. Hey, how do you, how, Pastor, how do you know you're saved? Let me ask you, has the Spirit ever worked in your life? There you go! If the Spirit's not working and He's never worked in your life, He's probably never been there. But if the Spirit's working in your life, then hello! He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Man, when God convicts us through his word, it just reminds me, I'm a child of God! Amen. Some of us, we look at it and we're like, oh, why is the Spirit convicted? I like it! I don't like it when I'm not convicted, when the Spirit's not working in my life. When the Spirit's working, it's like, I am his! It reminds me, my spirit bear, his spirit bears witness with my spirit. What a blessing that is. The delight of our adoption, the delight of our assurance, and number three, and lastly, the delight of our inheritance. Man, just, we don't even need an inheritance, if we're being honest, right? 
Just the fact that we've been put into his family, the fact that he's given us the Holy Spirit, that's more than what we need. This is the grace of God on display. Because, think about this, mercy was making it so I didn't have to go to hell. Grace is, well, you're going to need some help. Here's the Holy Spirit to guide you. And he's going to live with you. He's going to take care of you and help you through this life. And you might as well spend eternity in heaven with me. You might as well have part of my inheritance. You're my child. That's the grace of God. That's why I listened to a song today, and that song, I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to sing it before too long. Your grace still amazes me was the name of the song. And his grace, it is so wonderful. That's why we say amazing grace, how sweet the sound, because not only did he save us, but he put the spirit in us, and then he gives us an inheritance. He does so much. That's his grace. You can never sing enough about his amazing grace. Marvelous grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Greater than all my sin. The delight of our inheritance. Not only have we been adopted into the family and assured of that every day by the Spirit working in our lives, but we're wealthy beyond measure. Like, I'd like some of that right now. I had to pay four something for gas today. I know, right? You notice what these verse, verse 17 is teaching us. It's teaching us a couple things. It's teaching us letter A. It's teaching us our privilege. Privilege. Not right. Privilege. Privilege. We live in a world today where everybody thinks they have a right to everything. I have a right for health care. It's a privilege for those who go out and work. Did I, did I say that? Did I say that? If a man doesn't work, neither should he eat or have health care or have benefits and all that. I think that's Bible. Now, there are people that need help, and I am for that. But if you're able to work, go work. I have a right to... It's a privilege to be an American tonight. It's a privilege. Look at, look at the news today and look at what's going on in Afghanistan today. And look at the craziness there. The president of, of Afghanistan had to flee because the Taliban's taken over. And we're in the middle of a recall with our governor. Think about how, how good we have it in our country. You don't have people go in and storm and take the governor out and say, now we're in charge. I guess I could come to that someday, but it's not there now. We vote. We are privileged to be Americans. And that's one of the things I worry about that we're, we're teaching our kids that it's a right. All these things are rights. No, many people have died and given their lives so I could have the privilege to have the be here today Christianity heaven it's not a right it's a privilege given to us from God when we think about our privilege here the Bible makes it clear that we are heirs of God may I remind you tonight that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills may I just remind you tonight 
that he, like, look, Psalm 50, verse 10 through 12, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. We are privileged to get part of his inheritance. That's why Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs, not according to the Dow Jones industrial average, not according to your 401k, not according to whatever currency, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Whew, that's a good verse right there. I will tell you this, if you're going to claim that promise, I'd make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do with God first. We'll leave that one there. Those people were taking care of the missionary Paul and meeting the needs of God's people. In their lacking, they did it. We can go deeper into that, but I'm out of time and I need to just finish up. Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <laughs> He's able to meet our needs no matter how great they appear. We see our privilege to deliver our inheritance. We see our privilege, letter B. We see our portion. Not only are we heirs of God, but we've been made, don't miss this. So it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. But then look at what else it says. And joint heirs with Christ. Not only are we heirs of God, but we've been made joint heirs with Jesus. Literally, we are given an equal share in the wealth of our Father. Under Jewish law, the oldest son would be given a double portion of the father's wealth. In Roman law, all sons would receive the same. When I think about that, it isn't the idea of getting things that amazes me. Because I've, church, if, if thinking about getting an inheritance really gets you excited, You've been given Jesus. I don't need nothing else. You know, we sing songs and we look forward to that mansion. I don't need a mansion. I really don't. To be somewhere with God forever? Give me a little hut. Don't even give me a hut. Just give me, just give me a spot to be. I don't need a mansion. I don't need streets of gold. I don't. I need Jesus, and I've got him. What else do we need? What amazes me is that God would put me on the same footing as his son, Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it. And yet that's what he does. What a blessing. Don't misunderstand me. We will never be him. We are made like him. And let her see, and lastly, our promise. Our promise. As we pass through this life, we're going to go through difficult times. We're going to face many trials. 
There'll be many times when we feel like God's forsaken us or he hasn't meeting our needs. But we need to be content with such things as he have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The full, you got to understand something. The spirit of God and what we have today is the down payment on our eternal inheritance. It's just the beginning you know, you go and buy a car, they want a down payment to make sure you're going to pay for your car. And you put money down, a lot of times you'll hear more often to pay, and you'll probably get a lower interest rate, whatever the case may be. God says, I'm going to make you my son. I'm going to make you my daughter. I'm going to give you a down payment. I'm going to give you my spirit. And he's going to be with you everywhere you go. And he's just a little down payment. Just a little down payment. Because eternity's coming. The spirit life, there's nothing like it. What an honor, what a privilege. When we get to heaven, you're going to see how rich and truly blessed you are. There's no need to wait till heaven because you're truly blessed today. You see, there's no... What Paul is doing here, and I'm done. There, Christian, just please get this. There is no comparison to the flesh life and the spirit life. There's no comparison to where we were to where he has brought us today. It is so good to be a child of the king. It is so good to be an adopted son of God. Maybe you're sitting here tonight or you're watching online and you're not a part of God's family. Do you know he wants you? He wants you. Say, no, why would he want me? He does. Oh, he knows you. He knows everything about you. Everything. And he knew you so well, he sent his son to die on the cross so you could be with him forever. That's how much he loves you tonight. And he wants you a part of his family. Say, how do I become a part of God's family? You realize you're a sinner. You realize the penalty for sin. You realize Jesus paid it all. He took my place on the cross. And you claim it. And thou shalt be saved. That's the Bible promise. And then the spirit of truth comes to live inside your life forever. And you're no longer led about by the flesh. You have this new heart. You have this new man with a new spirit to lead and to guide you. And that spirit seals you. That spirit will never leave you. That spirit will guide you. That spirit makes it all possible. That's why there is nothing better in all the world than being a child of God. And church, we got to let this world around us know that. God is so good. This world needs to know how good he is. Father,